Hey, I'm sex, love, and relationship therapist, Dr. Laura Berman, and for the last 30 years, I've been helping people learn to love and be loved better. Welcome to the Language of Love Sessions. This is where I get to work with you one-on-one, on air. You, my listeners, my goal in these sessions is to empower you to enjoy better relationships, both with others and with yourself, and to help you embrace how precious and sacred your body, your love life, and your sexuality really is. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Carmen, what's up? Hey. Hey, yeah. So I've, of course, have thought about this overthought about it, questioned it. I've been thinking like, she's already answered this. This is probably already in one of her podcasts, right? Just like overthinking it like crazy. I have really, I guess, related a lot to you talking about being a recovering people pleaser mm-hmm. and how that's really showing up a lot, I would say, in my relationships in various ways. So I guess my broad question is just how to remain. And you just posted a little real on Instagram like a couple hours ago kind of about this like how to stay in that place no matter like what relationship you're kind of interacting with and I can feel almost it's like all the lights are on when I'm alone but then (laughs) if I'm around my family it's like half of them go down or if I'm around my romantic relationship like they'll dim in a different way or with friends, especially like friends who have known me for a long time, seeing me in this new way or like not even in a new way, but just I'm not acting like I once was as a really, really, really big people pleaser. So I would love to hear more about like your, what I'm assuming was non-linear journey toward dropping that as well as how to just keep holding that space for you or for yourself. Yeah. Which requires so much bravery. That's really what it comes down to. It's scary. But let me start by saying, I find that there's, first of all, there's never any question off limits, but also even if you think that I've answered the question a million times, there are a million more people who need to hear the answer in this way, in this context with the question coming from you. So When you're asking your question, you're asking it for yourself, but also so many other people who need to hear it and need in the way you're asking it and also need to hear the answer in the way I'm giving it right now. Right. So it's all perfect. So and that's also a people pleaser question right? (laughs) or people pleaser concern. You started with the people pleaser because this probably is inconvenient and annoying to you because you've answered this a million times. So let's just start by me saying I'm already scared of displeasing you. Right. So this is the kind of thing. This is the kind of thing that starts happening when you start to awaken whoever you are, including as a people pleaser, because you start to see. And this is one of the most important parts because you can't change anything unless you see it. So you start to see the ways in which. You've been unconsciously enacting these wounds, reenacting these wounds and how it's not serving you. Right. And so the more conscious you can be about that, the goal is not to like beat up on yourself about it or judge yourself when you notice it. But because all of that is ammunition and information for making the changes that you want to make. Now, the reason that your friends, your family, your partner struggle with 
who you become is not because you've become something different. You've taken off the mask a little bit and you've become who you've always been. And a people pleaser is not who they truly are. They are who they have been taught they need to be in order to get approval, love, safety, whatever it was. My guess is that for you, it was a lot of sort of, let's just start with this, that people pleasing comes from a certain flavor of trauma, which is rejection trauma. Okay. And rejection trauma comes in the form, it happens in childhood usually, almost always, early childhood, and it's usually insidious and continual throughout one's childhood. And it can be, and I'll tell you, you'll tell me if I'm right, I'll tell you what my guess is about you or my gut is about you. It can come in the form of addicts, right? And so you have to, who, especially if they tend to be violent or aggressive, it can come in the form of emotional or physical abuse, right? So you have to be a certain way or try to be a certain way or walk on eggshells in order to stay safe or to keep yourself safe. People pleasers are extremely intuitive. That's one of our greatest gifts. It was a gift that was developed out of necessity, not accidentally, but it's an amazing gift that when used for our good versus for making ourselves small. And it can come through sort of, and what I think happened to you don't tell me yet, but what I think happened to you is more in the emotional abuse. I don't know that you would even consider it emotional abuse, but in a lot of rejection, stonewalling, emotional abandonment, emotional threats from a very early age. I think it probably started from your earliest conscious memory of like when I show up in my full joy with my opinion stating the truth of what I see around me that no one else is willing to see or speak. And I am seeing it. And I said it, boy, was that a bad reaction I got. (laughs) Like that was a bad idea to speak the truth. Right. I mean, you tell me if I'm correct or not. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with an alcoholic father, still an active drinker. Yes. Everything that you're saying is Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and then, it's, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that that's, I've worked on that quite a bit. I sought out an addictions therapist about a year ago because my relationship with my job had gotten complete, it went like off the rails. And so yeah. I really was seeking someone that could help me dive into my own addiction. Only then did I really start to dig into my, dad's addiction and my mom's enabling for like really the first time in my life. Like I had known that it was a thing and like what alcoholism is, was, but this was like the deepest dive. Right. So it's been, that's been really helpful, but yeah, everything that you're describing is very accurate. And you're definitely, I mean, this is the nature of a people pleaser. We call it people pleasing, but every people pleaser is a codependent, right? Because we wouldn't, do that if we weren't a codependent. And once again, that's not, you know, codependents get a lot of kudos in our society because we're liked by everyone. We give everyone what they want. The problem is eventually, as you're finding, the wheels start to come off because it's not sustainable. It starts to deplete you, exhaust you, make you sick, turn you more toward any addictive or unconscious behaviors. And it eventually becomes 
not only are are your relationships one-sided and really toxic, but you can't show up authentically. And that becomes so painful over time that eventually things start to implode. And it sounds like that's what's happened for you over the past year. And so where are you in your addictive behaviors? I mean, my guess is there's some emotional addiction stuff, but in terms of substances, where are you in recovery or is that a struggle for you? It's gotten a lot better because my struggle was always rooted some in like food addiction, but then I would also say like work, work was the big one. And just obsessing over the way that I worked was only from fear. It was like fear was driving my work a hundred percent and managing people and wanting all of these people to like me and making sure that everything was done perfectly, could not stop answering emails. The only thoughts I had were related to work. It's gotten significantly better since working with an addictions counselor, Mm -hmm. working through past childhood trauma, and then really, again, it just wasn't a linear process by any means. And it took a long time to really focus more on the things that I enjoy doing and knowing that doing those things is still a good use of my time. Like if we had been having this conversation a year ago, it would look very different. But now what's what I'm really kind of rubbing up against is it's just like a little bit of whiplash if I'm, and I don't mean to use the word like triggered, but I mean, that's kind of what ends up happening. And what I have also appreciated about you talking about your relationship with your husband, who sounds pretty right, like logistical, left left brain, brain, logistical, that I would say, because when I have these kind of like, expansive moments. It's like, I want to share them with my partner who I know to a certain degree thinks I might be like a little, and maybe, maybe not, but like, a little, like, what is she talking about? Like, we're going to go to Gainesville, for example, we're going to go to Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to go to Michael Singer's temple of the universe. Like, yeah. and he immediately was like, that sounds like a cult. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, hmm. Okay. And I just won't bring up Michael Singer ever again. And we're just not going right. to talk about well, that's, like, that's what the codependent does. Right. So my partner has deemed this wrong, bad cult, like dirty, you know, pick your poison in this case, cult, like stupid, unconscious, dangerous, whatever adjective he might put on that. Right. So now I'm going to adopt his reality so that I can stay in his good graces. Right. This is how you lose yourself in a relationship and how you build resentment and toxicity in a relationship. And this is where the bravery comes in, right? And where the compromise and the win-win comes in, okay? So what we want, you can be with someone who is completely right brain. As you alluded to, my husband, my nickname for him is Senor Root Chakra because he is so grounded. He doesn't believe in, I mean, I think he would probably call himself, if not an an atheist, an agnostic. Like he is so not subscribing to what I absolutely know is the truth. And whether he thinks that's true or not, I know my truth is the truth and it's very different than his truth. And in many ways, we have a lot of common ground, you know, like the Venn diagram with those two circles. There's a lot of area in our overlapping circles, but I got a lot of area in my circle and he has a lot of area in his circle that where we don't intersect. And 
that's okay, right? The question is, are you going to make that wrong or not? And are you going to give up that huge area on the outside where you aren't merged in order to just focus on where you're merged, right? So you can be with someone who doesn't want to go to Michael Singer's temple and who thinks that Michael Singer is a cult and you don't have to convince him that he's wrong about that. But where you go wrong is not going to Michael Singer's temple yourself and be like, okay, I get that you think it's a cult. I don't think it's a cult and I'm fascinated and I love his work. I can't even imagine going to Gainesville without going there. So maybe you'll go have a beer with whoever or you'll go whatever it is that you're into while I go to Michael Singer's temple. We don't have to share everything and do everything together and believe all the same things in order to have a successful relationship. Now, can he hold that or not? I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, so let me ask you this. Like, did you have to work through that codependency with your husband when you were to like, when, or did it happen before? No, no, it did not happen before I met him. We just had our 20th anniversary. And I would say the first 10 years of our relationship, at least I was doing what you're doing. And then I got really sick and I got breast cancer and the wheels came off in all areas of my life. And I wasn't sure that he was going to rise to the occasion or not. I wasn't sure that he would be able to accept the fullness of me in its fullest expression. And not only did that happen at that point, it's happened at many, it's evolved, you know, it's, it's like layers of an onion. It's come, it's evolved more and more. So back then when I first started stepping into my truth and becoming a recovering people pleaser and working on my codependence, I was that first level, right? And at the time, I said to him then, look, I need to show up more as my fully self. I've been making myself small. I've been accommodating your beliefs, not because you've asked me to, but because of my own wounds. And I'm working on those wounds. And I'm going to be probably pushing back on some things that you're not used to me pushing back on. And my greatest hope is that we can survive this and even thrive through this. And what I found is that, you know, it wasn't always smooth sailing, but he was always, and this is one of the reasons I'm still so in love with him is, and still with him, is because he accommodated. He, the world did not explode when I stated my truth. His head did not fly off of his body when I disagreed with him. And then more recently, I remember writing him a letter after not long after probably the week after our son died, he said to me, we're going to make it through this. I know a lot of couples fall apart when a tragedy like this happens, especially with their child, but we're going to be okay. And I said, I believe that too, but you need to know, I already know that I'm going to be a completely different person coming out of this than I am right now. Like I already feel every cell of my body changing. So I'm not going to be the same person. And I hope that's going to be okay. And it's a whole other layer of the onion has come off since then. And I have been showing up and speaking up like back then I would have never gone away on a trip 
with my friends for a week and left him to deal with life. I would have worried he would have resented it or he would have, you know, he wouldn't have told me not to do it, but he would have resented it. And then I would have lost his love. And yeah, I would have had to deal with his disproof. You know, that wasn't a conscious thought, but that was the wound thought. Right. And now it's fought. Like I just do, I just do because life is too freaking short. I just do what I want to do. Right. Or if I'm having a fear, I just say it to him. I'm having a fear right now that you're going to judge me because I'm going to go do blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So you vocalize the fears that you have about him potentially. I vocalize the fears, but I also don't ask for reassurance, right? Because I want the truth. And this is where the bravery comes in because, and this is true in all relationships. And by the way, I wouldn't expect this to, it's kind of like tears of intensity. So the lowest hanging fruit is work, then friendships, then love relationship, then family in terms of you being able to really hold your boundaries and show up as yourself, right? So you're going to practice this first probably at work and then with your friends and then with your partner. But it's about understand when you want to change your life and live more fully in integrity with who you are, it is a huge risk because people attached to you and bonded with you and formed a relationship with you when you weren't your true authentic self. And not only does that obviously make sense logistically on a frequency level, right? Your energetic frequency was very different then than it is when you're in your full expression. When you're in your full expression, your energetic frequency is much higher, right? And we only can be with people and we can't even perceive people and experiences that aren't vibrating in harmony with us. Every single one of us will find that as we raise our own frequency, we do, quote unquote, lose people, right? And that is in quotes because they were, if they need us to stay small and dysfunctional to be with us, they were really never ours in the first place. And even though some abandonment fears may come up and some anxiety may come up, there's a whole part of us that knows that it's not in service to us ultimately, even though it is a loss, right? And then people will also just disappear. I mean, I've had people just disappear, like just disappear from my life. And I know it's because they literally can no longer be in, we're not in the same frequency anymore. We're not in the same dimension. We're not in the same reality. And then there are those people, especially those close to you, who are energetically entrained to you. This is what I talk about in quantum love, right? So they are vibrating. They're matching your frequency or really as a codependent, what's been happening is you've been matching their frequency. So you accommodate the frequency of everyone else. You don't hold your own. It gives a whole new meaning to holding your own, right? So when you hold your own frequency, which means that you hold your own truth, you hold your own clarity, you hold your own light, regardless of what's going on around you or other people's reactions to you, then they're going to have a reaction to you. And many of them will surprise you like my husband has and will rise to the occasion, will rise with you, will face their own shit in order to do it. Others are not going to do that, right? And that's where the bravery comes in because you have to be willing to risk everything for your own aliveness before you can live in aliveness. Yeah. And that sounds so scary. Like, again, it's like every day is a little bit better 
and it's a little bit easier. And I just try not to get super frustrated with myself, especially when I'm around my family, because like you were just ranking the work, friends, you know, intimate relationship, family. No, don't even try with your family yet. (laughs) Don't even, I mean, you can, (laughs) but don't expect miracles there yet, because until you really have practice with this, That's where the deepest wound is. That's where the deepest abandonment fear started. That's where your little girl who's three, six, seven, nine. I mean, a lot of this happened between like six and 10, like a lot of the big wounds. So there are so many versions of yourself that are shitting bricks when you're around your family and it's not going to be easy there. And I wouldn't even like, let's put your family aside for a minute. I don't know how much time you spend with your family or how enmeshed you are in their lives, but my guess is it's not an everyday thing, right? No, it's not an everyday thing right now. No. Yeah. So that's fine. Just like, let that be copacetic for now where I would want you to focus your attention, the high risk, you're going to do this in work. And it sounds like you're already doing that some, but here's what the exercise is in part, right? Let's just focus on your relationship because I feel like, first of all, this is the language of love. I love to talk about love, but also because I feel like this is where the deepest growth is for you. And this is what's going to be in the greatest service to healing things with your family is to get really clear and to do an exercise forgetting who your partner even is at this moment in your ideal world. How would your partner be with you? How would that relationship look? What would your ideal relationship with you living in your fully realized truth look like and feel like? And if you can start to play in that space and connect to how amazing that feels, that starts to feel like more of a pull than the fear of losing this partner that's what keeps you small is that you're afraid of him bailing and of losing him and being quote unquote alone right now the fear of being alone is about your family cuz you felt you lived in terror as a child of being abandoned and being alone and having a child's fear of being alone is not like you the adult who's afraid your partner's going to leave you you can still financially support yourself feed yourself function in the world, even though it would be really sad and hard and your heart would be broken, you would still be physically okay. The little girl would not have been, right? And so it was a life or death terror when it came to fear of abandonment. That's what's accidentally running the bus in your relationship or driving the bus in your relationship, even though you may intellectually know that your world isn't going to come to an end and you're not going to physically die if he leaves you. There is the energy and energetic hangover of that fear operating that is standing in the way, right? So if you can start to play in the other side of this, of what's possible, then you can start to reach for that. And then it feels a little less scary to lose him because if he is unwilling and unable to rise to your truth, then it comes to a point where the fear of leaving the situation is not nearly as great as the pain of not having what you really want and desire. It comes to a point, and I'm not saying you're at this point now, where you say, okay, like if you can't, then I deserve better. What a novel idea. And in fact, 
I can't have better until I clear the way for that. It's the same way with friendships. People don't, and you've mentioned with your friendships, people don't, because I'm going to lose those friends and then I'm not going to have any friends. But the truth is, what kind of friends do you want, right? And how is there room for those friends if you have all of these other friends who aren't allowing you to be yourself? And guess what? You're not a frequency match for the kind of friends you really want to have if you're making yourself vibrate at such a lower frequency in order to stay with the friends you're currently with, right? So there is that in-between straddling that's the scariest part because you don't know what's on the other side and who's going to come in yet. You can imagine it, but you don't have evidence of that yet. And you are risking what you've had, even though what you've had isn't fulfilling. And because it's not allowing you, and there will be some of your friends who do allow you. I'm not saying all of them are going to disappear, but a lot of them probably will. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen this past year, either new friendships or old friendships where they have also gone through Mm -hmm. some sort of significant awakening. Like it just like all those relationships started to take like a much greater role in my life. And then other friendships, I really wasn't anticipating the friendships, really. I just don't think about them when I think about the word relationship. Mm -hmm. But old friendships, it's just like going against the grain and it just does not feel right at all. So yeah, I mean, when you were talking about going back to just my romantic relationship, and the word that I wrote down was just effortless. Mm -hmm. Like it would just be, I just love to talk about this. I could just talk about it like all the time. And so the fact that I can't talk about it with a person who I spend so much of my time with, I'm just trying to know that I have other outlets with other groups that I'm a part of, with other friendships that I have. And I can dive into the like metaphysical weeds with them. And I don't Mm -hmm. need to do that with him. And he doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be that person. That's true to a point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, if that's something that is a huge part of what romantically inspires you, now it's one thing, then he's not the right partner, right? Like in my case, I don't need him to subscribe to my beliefs. It's not okay for him to argue with me or, you know, we don't argue with each other about our different beliefs. And he just sort of metaphorically pats me on my, you know, like I know he's like, go on with your bad self, whatever. And that's fine. Like I don't need him because I have enough of these other outlets. But I also, if I was, I would go to Michael Singer's temple. I wouldn't make him come with me. I wouldn't care whether he came with me and I'd have an amazing adventure. And I probably wouldn't even tell him all the cool metaphysical messages I got while I was there. I might tell him a couple of things, but the stuff that I know he wouldn't leave, I wouldn't even bother telling him. But I would tell all my close friends, you know, but to me, that's me. I'm not saying that's you, right? Like for you, it may be that a huge part of your romantic connection, which for many people it does, comes from that shared experience, in which case he may not be the right partner for you in the end. Because he's not going to, unless he has his own awakening, he's not going to suddenly believe what he doesn't believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I don't know. Like I, when you say that, like, is that part of what you need in a romantic connection? When I feel into that, I'm like, I don't know. Right. Well, and also I guess the question is what you want is effortlessness. 
right? So can you be in this relationship and still effortlessly be in your own truth and in your own aliveness and metaphorically and literally go to the Michael Singer temple, right? Like without having to justify it or convince or feel like you're going to be in trouble or judged or made wrong or whatever, right? Like that's what you're really looking for. He doesn't have to go to the temple with you, but he has to be completely supportive and okay with you going to the temple, if only because it lights you up and he loves you and wants you to be in your light. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like he is actively, for lack of a better phrase, like shitting on my beliefs. He's not. And he's never been like that. It's just, it really just rubs up against that like little bit of, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then I instantly, well, oh, okay, well, me either, you yeah. know, and it's, well, that's it's, your job, right? right? Yeah. And like working through that, that was why I initially reached out to you to do this was from a time a few months ago when I had this like really expansive experience and I got home and I just felt like like a, just a constriction of like, oh, I can't, like I'm going to, I tried to explain this like full moon ceremony that I had and it just didn't resonate in the way that I wanted him right. to absorb it. Yeah. And he's not going to, right? The question is, if he can't absorb the same experience you have in these realms, is that not enough for you? Or is it that you take unnecessary responsibility for shunning the experience in service to being in alignment with his energy, right? That's where it's dysfunctional. Coming home and being like, I just had the most amazing experience. I'm going to go take a bath. I'm going to go meditate. I love you, whatever, like versus, and I'm not saying that needs to be fulfilling for you, right? It may be that you need to be with someone who you can be like, who was going to the full moon ceremony with you and who's like, oh my God, tell me about it, right? I would be calling my girlfriends on the way home and being like, oh my God, you won't believe what just happened. And blah, 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 blah. and I wouldn't need to share it with him in its entirety, just the effect it had on me. But that's me, right? It doesn't mean it's the same for you. So I think, as you said, you don't know the answer to this yet. But the only way you're going to discover the answer is by doing it and by claiming it and by resisting the urge to move into his reality, which he doesn't seem to be asking you to do. You're just doing it out of your own codependent nature, right? Correct. So as you start to practice not doing that, how does he respond? How does he hold it? Does he make room for it? That's going to be really important information for you. And then if he doesn't, then this relationship probably won't happen, can't happen for you. And let you. if he does allow it and doesn't fight it and makes room for it and moves in alignment with that, even if he's not joining it. Then the next question is, okay, how does that feel? Does this feel fulfilling for me? Does this feel like enough? Right. But you don't know the answer to that until you experience it. The only thing you have to know now 
is that, and the only thing you have to commit to now is to commit to your own aliveness and to recognize, because this is really the fundamental issue. I remember I had this amazing counselor coach who I'm still really close to, Diana Chapman. There was a certain point where she fired me as her client because, and this was probably five years, maybe less into my marriage, but she's like, you know what? I really can't work with you anymore until you are more committed to your aliveness than anything else. And until you are, until you are unwilling to sacrifice your aliveness, and I would add to that for you and for me, your spiritual connection, right? Because that is front and center for me, and I think it is for you too. Nothing, including my relationship, is more important to me than that. Nothing. Nothing is more important than my aliveness and my spiritual connection. I mean, I'm not going to abandon my kids, but and they're pretty much grown anyway. But but other than that, nothing, and they wouldn't ask me to give that up, but nothing is more important than that. So if I'm clear on that commitment, then that becomes my lens and my compass. And I live from that place and I trust from that place, which is where the bravery comes in. And the world around me starts to move into alignment with that or not, right? But that's really the key here. And I think you won't know how to move with that and how you're going to feel about that until you start trying it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I've like tasted into that and then have like come out the door of my little meditation room. And I can tell without me even saying anything, I can tell that he is attracted. Oh yeah. That version. I don't, but like part of me just wants to like sit down with like a notebook and be like, so this is exactly why, because I just participated in the feeling circle with a bunch of women on zoom and we but like, why is it important to you to prove that? That's an important question for you to consider. What is this proving part of you that needs the approval, which is why we want to prove, right? That part of you that needs the same part of you that needs a gold star at work, there's safety and approval, right? And that's your growth edge. You have to get completely willing to be uh, disapproved of, right? Because so much more important than approval is aliveness and spiritual connection. So much more important than approval and so much more fulfilling and so much more protection and so much more aliveness and so much more fun and so much more life-giving and abundance-giving, right? But in your little child mind, which is still driving the bus, approval means love. Approval means safety. Your safety, your parents were your God when you were a kid. They were all of our God, right? So now you're forging a relationship with true God, whatever that is for you, right? That spiritual connection. So that's where your safety lies, not in the approval of other people, including your partner, including your family, including your work, including your friends, right? So this is an exercise in getting super comfortable with other people's disapproval. And that's the only reason that you really need him to not only hear all of your experience, but align with it, right? Is because you need his approval, but you don't. Right. Feel like, again, it's gotten so much better. Like I'm excited to just like, and eager to keep going because I can look back on mm-hmm. how I felt like two years ago in this relationship, two years ago at work. Oh, like, it, but there's still that like 
underlying approval piece, which, yeah, I mean, we could spiral. Oh, yeah. I mean, on. I have that too. It's just a growth yeah. edge. It's a trigger. It's a shadow, right? And the shadow is, I need the approval of others to feel safe and to feel worthy of love. The light side of the shadow is, I am someone who is intuitive, knows how to make new friends, knows how to connect people, knows how to attract people. And those are amazing gifts when used in service to your aliveness and spiritual connection and not in service to dimming your light and making yourself small and not being your true authentic self. Because you can use it in either, you can use it in the shadow way or you can use it in the light way. And you're going to use it in both right? You're going to be triggered. You're going to do that. You're going to notice the key, like I said before, is noticing when you're doing it, calling yourself to consciousness, tapping in and tuning into your spiritual support and taking that leap of faith and in bravery and recognizing that, no, I am going to be in my light. And what you will find, my husband has surprised me every step of the way. Like I I keep it every time. I'm like, oh, he's probably, you know, this isn't going to, I will see, but I don't think he's going to. And every single time, I mean, he shocks me. He rises to the occasion. And so you may very well be extremely pleasantly surprised. And if you haven't read it, definitely read my book, Quantum Love, because what you will find is as you raise your whole, you know, you come home from that full moon ceremony or that amazing meditation and you're vibrating at such a beautiful frequency. If you hold that without saying a word, without describing anything, he is going to match that. He is going to entrain to that and connect with you on a much deeper, profound level where nothing has to be discussed about what you experienced, but the present experience is going to be life-changing in and of itself, right? That exchange you have without you even discussing what you just experienced five minutes ago that puts you into this vibration, what you experience together in that vibration will be beautiful. Yeah, yes. And I can tell or I can feel into that with our sexual connection yes. because I I mean, I know we're like probably getting close to see here's the people pleaser. Like, am I where am I? <laughs> taking up too much of our time or going over time. But even though this has been like the most, this is such a genuine romantic relationship that I have. And it's been the longest relationship that I've had. And it's, it came at a time where I felt like as soon as we started dating, all of the stuff started coming up, right. To be, cause I was in like a safe container yes. to kind of do that. But the sexual connection has been completely different from any other relationship that I've had in the past. And trying to find words to that, to explain that to him without, I mean, like, I'm curious, like, what does your husband think of the book Quantum Love? Like, does he believe what you are saying? No. Or does I've never asked him if he believes it. I know he doesn't but I don't care because he experiences it and he loves me when I'm in my light and he feels it when I do quantum sex on him. I do all sorts of experiments on him. I don't, he's my favorite guinea pig. Like I do stuff to him all the time and he has no idea. I tell him afterwards, Hey, I was circling our enter, you know, I kind of, and he's like, Oh, well, felt really good. Whatever you were doing, you know, but yeah. I don't need him to buy into it. I don't need him to subscribe to it. I don't need, but he sure as heck loves it and he feels it and he loves when I'm in and he rises with me when I'm in my light. 
And he wants me there. He wants me to be my fully actualized, fully realized, most joyful self. He doesn't care how I get there. He just wants me to be me. And that's, I think, the most important thing. But like I've said, that's not necessarily the most important thing to everything. That's the most important thing to me. So you can experiment with it and see, okay, is this filling? You know, you're not going to necessarily know after one experience, right? But you start to notice, like, how does this feel? Do I really need someone who I'm up until three in the morning discussing the nuances of the new moon ceremony we had? Or can we just have mind-blowing sex and be in this like oneness together that doesn't need a description, right? Do I really need to have my experiences mirrored to feel fully aligned with someone, which is not a, you know, that's absolutely viable and reasonable to want, right? Or is that not necessary? And that's something that will unfold over time. Yeah. And something that I just never thought about, do I need that to I need to think about it. I need to feel into it. Yeah. You don't need, don't think about it at all. Uh, don't think about it at all. Just experience it. Stay in yourself. Stay in integrity with yourself. Stay in your connection to your higher self and experience it. How does this feel in my body? How does this feel in my heart? Do I have a full body? Yes to this. Not with my thinking brain, not with my analytical brain but with my heart, like, is this, let me put aside the stories I have. How does this feel? And you'll see, and you won't see on the first time. All you have to do is be your true authentic self without needing anyone to be anything else than their true authentic self and see how it feels to be you and your true authentic self with him and his true authentic self. I'm and sure it feels what great. Happens. It feels yeah. great, but you'll see. It may not feel his authentic self may not feel great. You'll see. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons you're getting stuck is because you're not staying in integrity out of trying to be in approval, his approval, even though he's not necessarily asking you to do that. And you don't know yet what it feels like to be fully in your self-actualization and still letting it be 100% okay. In fact, more than okay for him to be in his full truth not having, he doesn't have to be anything different than he is. And you don't have to be anything that, different than you ha are. And how does that feel together for you? Right. It may, it may, he may feel something too. Right. But how does it feel for you? That's the question. So will you let us know? Yes. Yes, I will. I'm really curious. Thank you so much for thank you so your much. story. 